guys and welcome back to your pussy for a podcast this is our second episode on our palestinian series um and just what's going on and what we're seeing in the news as of late so i'm one of your hosts Iman. i'm salma and i'm sabo and we also have the amazing the incredible Zena. hi Zena, if you want to introduce yourself hi guys thank you for having me on again I wanted to say that um, I'm great. I'm incredible. I don't know where that's from, though. Where is that from? What is that? I have. I'm great. I'm incredible. Where's that from? Oh my God, my sister would scream because I don't know where the reference is from and I just thought of it from my head. Is it a person or is it Mm, like from a film? It's from a movie. I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, yeah, so that's in reference to Zena. So, yeah, so really nice to kind of speak about what's going on in Palestine at the moment again. Um, and I think that we're still all feeling the same way. Mm. We're all feeling, still feeling the hurt, the anger, and only kind of wanting to speak about this. Um, yeah. And I haven't wanted to speak about anything else. And exactly. I think that where we all we where we all align um, politically, socially, that's all we're seeing because mm. those are the types of people that we follow. Um, and as we said in our last episode, please, if you haven't heard it, please go and listen to that first before you listen to this. As we said in our last episode, it's all we want to talk about. Yeah. Um. So how are you guys feeling? How, I mean, myself and Sabah went to the protests um, uh, yesterday, mm. which is Saturday. I was so upset I couldn't go. I'm definitely going to every single <laughs> one, but I was and so upset I couldn't hard, make it. It's yeah. hard, okay, it's work, it's work. It's me yeah. and Zina were there at the protest. And you don't, and you don't have to, protest by the way to show solidarity we are still in a pandemic so yeah. you can do yeah, other sign the petition show, yeah you sign your petitions raise yeah. awareness speak out use your voice donate like it's the protest is one small 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 part of activism yeah um, yeah but how are you guys feeling i guess in, yeah i think the the turnout for the protest was incredible um there's like people from such like diverse backgrounds mm um all speaking out and i feel like it's one of the biggest um turnouts i've ever seen for a Mm. palestine protest which is i don't know maybe i'm just like being optimistic but i really do feel like it's different this time and the energy of like how many people have been speaking out people i know who never speak out about this sort of thing are actually like reading Mm. up on stuff and actually making an opinion um so yeah i think it's like it's really um amazing to see that i guess yeah what about you same with me uh my heart aches for palestine having to see like every morning now it's Mm. a news report it's different videos Mm. it's more pain it's more death and you know it's just you feel angry but you can't imagine how angry and heartbroken these people are how much the palestinians are Mm. um so it's just kind of hoping for better change like seeing the protest made me so happy seeing like I think it was 150,000 mm. people that came um so it's just giving me a bit more hope and faith in this generation in this time right now mm. it feels like something right is happening yeah so I'm just hoping that change will happen soon and that the momentum mm. stays alive and I think as well like even uh, seeing on the news um Italian dock workers that you know supply arms to um Israel uh striked and they they didn't you know yeah I, I did, didn't know I did that. That. they striked yeah. you saw Leicester who um the f- in the football they f- held up the Palestinian flag after yeah. the game so it's which like is a big move for football massive because with um I think it was the Arsenal player what's his name Ozil 
Ozil with mm. the Uyghur Muslims, and he got just basically removed from Arsenal. Well, he done another. He he uh, put another T-shirt on for Palestine. Yeah, wow. saying free Palestine. But, like, but like, it's to see how much football controls what they say, and them yeah, still yeah, yeah. bringing the Palestinian yeah. flag means yeah. a lot. I think it is really interesting seeing how like. Um, media and like celebrities and stuff have like reacted to it as mm. well um mm-hmm. and like the stark difference so obviously loads of people have like l'oreal um sponsorships and things like that yeah mm. so loads of female celebrities aren't like calling it out because even like muslim ones or arab ones yeah. aren't calling it out because they're scared of losing sponsorships and stuff yeah. and you've got bella just, hadid and gigi oh hadid God, about to love bella hadid. yeah we do mm. we love yeah. her and so much and i'm so happy that you brought that because i wanted to quickly just ask you about that before we go into the main topic of conversation and what I wanted to discuss today. But how do you guys feel about influencers? And I we've spoken about cancel culture before, we've spoken about activism before, we've spoken about how they speak up before. Um, but I have the same energy for this as I did for Black Lives Matter protests and my mm-hmm. stance on influencers then mm-hmm. is that this isn't a political issue, it's a humanitarian mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. You have a platform, mm-hmm. you have yeah. a voice. Even more so with this case. I mean, yesterday, Al Jazeera in Gaza was bombed. bombed. So that is one of the most credible sources that we get for Palestine. And if I'm seeing stuff from Palestinian activists on social media Mm. and people who have a platform don't use it correctly and in the right way that they should, I'm pissed off about it. So I have a really strong opinion about this, right? Right, So like with you with um so i'm sure you guys saw like rihanna's statement and oh. it was all very Go kind of it, like oh both sides so sad both sides kids dying all of that fantastic right it has the same energy as all lives matter 100%. it has 100%. the same energy as all lives matter you, you are going on the side of the oppressor it's like yeah. okay but like white cops also are like, can you abused someone actually said and that i don't when, oh my god cops lives oh my, like yeah, no. they do they say blue lives matter for cops but i have never heard that yeah, have you not do. yeah oh they say god. blue lives matter yeah. so this is it, it has the same energy and i don't like to compare atrocities and things like that but no, but you have to in this case it, it you have makes to show sense people, yeah. you can really see it and i i remember saying this to my sister like two weeks ago i was like this really has the same energy as that mm. the same feel as that yeah, and now a lot of people have been have been good. saying and i was like yeah, good and do you know what's even more offensive yeah you can blame her pr team you can blame whatever do you know what i blame her because of the 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 she might have gone and proof checked that with her pr team mm. right and they might have said, yeah, no, it's fine. You're being neutral, but you're saying that, you know, you care about what's going on. Da, 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 da. I'm sick I blame of her. No, 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 no. Not even sick of mutual. I blame her for her ignorance. I blame her because you know why? It's offensive to me because it shows that you haven't gone to research. Mm-hmm. But can I say That's something really quickly? A few years ago, she did come out in support of Palestine and she was very specific about Palestine. So this, I think... It's exactly what you said in terms of it being a PR move. You don't know about her sponsorships. You don't know what she's mm-hmm. going on. Maybe she's releasing music at the end of the year and she's afraid that it's going to affect that. You don't know she might have a concert in Israel. You don't know what's going on her behind the scenes. Her fans will be there. Her fans will 100% Yeah, you be don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It doesn't... Just, just say one thing. I just think that there's a bit of a problem with looking to influencers and to celebrities to speak out about this because... Mm. Although I understand on the one hand that they have a platform and they can gain momentum and they can gain followers and they can gain support and that's important and they have a lot of influence, hence, you know, the title influencer or whatever. But um but at the same time they're not 
they shouldn't be the target of our attention. Our focus should be on mm -hmm. our politicians. I completely agree. Makers. Yeah, they should be. They should hold the the most sort of importance in this conversation. We should really be focusing on media outlets. We should be lobbying. Mm -hmm. Be writing to our MPs. I agree. When it comes to voting, we should be out there voting for the party that supports Palestine, for the party that is most tolerant. So it's, I mean, this is a people-powered move. And obviously people, you know, they come together from, you know, from things that they've seen on these platforms, from the awareness that's raised through these platforms. Like what, what the Hadiths are doing is incredible. And I rate them. But at the same time, I think... Let's let's not put our focus on what celebrities will do because celebrities have opportunities to monetize their 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 brand is their business and for them it's about money. We live in a capitalist system and at the end of the day, celebrities are brands. They're mm -hmm. not they're not specific people, you know. And some of them will break through that brand and will come through for movements like this. Others won't do that. We're we're expecting more from them, to be honest. They're not the people we should be holding to account. Our focus should be on politicians. That's my opinion. But on the other hand, I do see why people would want their support and why people would want them to to use their platform to raise awareness, especially somebody like DJ Khaled, who uses his culture, appropriates his own culture, even though he's detached from it and he lives a very privileged life. He uses his own culture when he wants to mm. draw interest and when he wants to draw the crowd and make money from his culture and his ethnicity and he wants, you know, supporters and he wants fans from the Arab world or from the Middle East or whatever. But then when it comes to something like this, his silence is deafening. That is really enraging. Yeah, I completely hear you, especially with like the DJ Khaled thing as well, for example. Like even in his, um, his he's just released a new album and one of his credits is Allah. No, that was embarrassing. Like he didn't, he put, he didn't put Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he just put Allah. Who are his and team? Who yeah, are they? I think he's his own team. I think he's I don't, his own yeah, team. Because there's no one approving this. No. He's his own team. But I think, but I think what I Zina, I think what Zina was saying was um, important in that he appropriates his own his own culture but i see majority of influences that i see appropriate in our culture 100%. i see yeah. majority of them going to dubai mm -hmm. going here enjoying all of mm -hmm. this arabic culture so actually i think that it's 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 all circular yeah. they all appropriate the culture and i to be honest when it comes to a genocide like this yep. fine if you don't want to be political if you don't want to talk about labor conservative mayoral elections even if you don't want to vote yeah i i absolutely Bear in mind, I'm into politics and I'm an advocate for people going to vote, but it's not compulsory. Yeah. If you don't want to vote, you don't want to vote. If you're not political, you're not political. This isn't political. Mm. And this is something that you should be speaking about because you do appropriate Arabic culture, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not. Rihanna is one of them, yeah? Mm -hmm. mm. So when it comes to this, you have to take the time out to educate yourselves. Mm. I'm not gonna, com I don't like comparing, but when it came to the Black Lives Matter protests, we all partake in black culture, black music, urban culture, everything. So therefore it is our duty to look into what is happening, what directly affects black people and to speak out about it. Whether you're political or not, that is a humanitarian issue. Mm -hmm. That's got nothing to do with politics. And this in the same be a way, exactly, issue, yeah. in the same way as Palestine. So I agree, I don't th I agree with Zena in saying that I don't think that we should put emphasis on. It. I don't think it deserves energy. 
I think more energy needs to go to the media outlets, oh, the politicians, 100%. But, but it's but, easy to say that. But yeah. social media, social media is powerful. And social media is what the Palestinians on the ground are seeing. That's all they're when using. They see, that's all they're yeah. using. When they see yeah. us with them, when they see yep. big, big names like Rihanna, yep. Beyonce, yep. Drake speaking out, it gives them momentum. Mm. It yep. gives them hope. It gives them more yeah. viewers, it gives them more attention, and people yeah. actually start hearing unbiased mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And also, I have a friend, yeah, sorry to cut you. Yeah. I'm going to shout him out, Mr. Isra, yeah? He's also on, um, he's a radio presenter. He went to the protest a week ago, and he went yesterday as well, and he uploaded a video. He put his career on the line. Mm. He put mm-hmm. his career on the line. Yeah? I have another friend, an influencer, a girl called Vanessa. She's incredible. She's half Thai, half English. I used to work with her years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a content creator. She does collabs with Office, Puma, with big brands. She messaged me today saying, Iman, this is a video that I want to put up. Can you help me fact check it? And can you help me put up a, um, put, statement. A, put, put a statement and description? Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm sick and tired of people not researching. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I told her what to research. I told her what she should put in her statement. I thanked her for asking me. And she said, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I this is an influencer who is paid by these big brands but this is what makes me respect Bella Hadid even more because she's a supermodel right now in this world she's got a huge platform and she's pro-Palestine so I I know it's easy to be like you know they can monetize they can yeah it's not for me I'm not political no but they're using it for something good which we can take good from because this is what's necessary and social media is our tool when the media is lying to us when Al Jazeera is bombed up it's the only thing Palestine has to grasp on right now because the media is lying to us a lot of politicians are lying to us everything is being washed and being filtered out so the only thing we can have is the raw social media we're being given exactly. and if people with huge platforms are helping for sure and i think as well we don't realize that gen z a lot of them aren't really that political they're on in the like they're on social media like tiktok and mm. twitter and instagram all the time yeah mm. so their news outlet they get it from instagram their, their yeah. they don't watch tv they get it from celebrities they it's get so it true. from all these people mm. so that's why like speaking out of, uh, out about it is important. Mm. It's important because these are the people they look up to at the end of the mm-hmm. day. It's completely consumed all of our culture. Yep. So it only makes sense. I mean, there, there's BBC on social media. I follow them on Instagram. I think what you guys are saying is like really good. And I do agree to it um, with what you're saying to an extent. Um, but yeah, I think maybe it's also a generational divide, to be honest. Mm. I didn't always grow up with social media. So for me, I just think um, these battles need to be fought on a political level. Because we live in a capitalist society and ultimately working within this system to raise awareness about things like this and to, to sort of um, to demand change, we can't, like, we can't ask the people who are working you know who are benefiting from capitalism to work with us to overthrow Mm, systems that uphold capitalism and apartheid and you know support for israel this all ties in with capitalism the capitalist system that we live in not just in the uk but globally it upholds places like israel it upholds Mm. apartheid it upholds colonialism it upholds um you know settler colonialism and 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 what white supremacy which is what israel is essentially based on so it's like for me i just i don't see it as effective as 
going to the higher people in power in charge but i can mm. see how but it causes a protest like all those yeah. people came to the protest exactly, probably yeah. because they saw I can see, yeah i can see the benefits it. of social media in like raising awareness and building momentum amongst people especially young people mm. so yeah, yeah i get your point and, and a, also both yeah i do agree obviously it's way more effective for politicians for, for us to influence politicians as opposed to people on online that's bottom line because people the, the politicians are the ones that have the power mm. i mean that, that you, you can't debate that absolutely right um but also you know it's not just influencers that that are in capitalism we all are mm. i am yeah, you are yeah, you are we all are it's a byproduct of of us living in the west mm. it's uh, yeah it, it do you know what I mean? So, so even even saying you know there's no point in them speaking out because they're benefits or recipients of capitalism. So are we. Mm. Yeah, it's completely. Do you know um, what I mean? I don't really like. I mean, the majority of you know POC and people from a marginalized group, um, or BIPOC, which is like more politically correct to use now. Um, we don't actually benefit from capitalism as much as white people do. Yeah, definitely. Like, we're not part of we're not part of the status quo. Yeah. So mm. we, for us, it, it's in our benefit to dismantle capitalism. Mm. It's in our benefit. Mm-hmm. It's in the LGBTQ plus community's mm. benefit, indigenous people's benefits mm. to dismantle capitalism. Like capitalism doesn't is not for it's us. It's not for us. It's yeah, some I misogynistic agree. racist system. Yeah, and and it's a system that benefits from misogynism and racism and etc so uh, i mean we do live in within capitalism without going too too much into like an academic argument against capitalism but we do we live within capitalism but we definitely also are affected by it in a negative way the impact that it has on us is more negative than positive we don't benefit from it the way that the people that it was built for benefit from it so a white straight cisgendered man yeah, absolutely. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and I think a lot of my anger is directed actually towards Muslim influencers and yeah, BIPOC influencers. Yeah, I, I can understand um, that, yeah. Not anger, but just frustration. I, as I said, I don't dwell on it. I don't I don't put as much anger to influencers yeah. not speaking out as much as I do politicians. I, I don't put any anger towards I don't believe not speaking we should... out on the social media. But... I, I do feel strongly about yeah. it, yes. I don't believe we should cancel anyone because of Yeah, it, no, I don't think we should cancel either, but I, I, I won't be following you. No, exactly. I won't, be, I won't be buying from you. I won't be, if you put up a post, if you put up a this, I'm not using your discount code. I don't want you to benefit, and I don't want you to get money from it, because actually you're just yeah. using the system. No, what's So it's, I, I'll boycott you, but I won't cancel you, but I'm just not going to be following you anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely, for me personally, I feel like that's justified. Yeah. Um, and I think what's odd to me is that there are loads of influencers who like um, will post like normally, like as if nothing is going on. Yeah, at uh, least uh, at least be <laughs> respectful. Don't post anything. Yeah, mm. I agree with you. Don't post anything. I agree. And just be silent. If you're gonna be silent, really be really silent. Really be silent. Yeah. And yeah, then come yeah. out in a like, statement. Be embarrassed. Come you out in I mean? a statement in three weeks and be like, um, my mental health is all over the place. That's fine. Do that. That's cool. But just but just don't like post as normal in in your in your car park. Yeah. Oh yeah, here's my boohoo code, ten percent off. Hit. Huh? Yeah. I can't talk about that right down. now. I don't wanna I don't wanna go on boohoo and use your ten percent code. Yeah. yeah. My mind's not there. Yeah. And actually all of your audience that follow you, their mind it isn't just, there. It, it, I think Subhi, I don't know if you guys follow you guys should follow um yeah, Subhi Taha yeah, on uh, Instagram. He's incredible. 
um, he was saying it. He's like, it's just so tacky. It's tacky. It's just so it's just tacky. tacky. It's and it really is. I don't want to. I don't want to see your posts. Yeah. I don't want to see you looking cute. No. Mm. I really don't. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for shedding some light on that and your opinions on that because I did feel really, really strongly about that, and I think that we should have. We could have spoken about this for ages. But I'm glad <laughs> that we important. touched on it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the main crux of this episode is to briefly go into a few different laws, definitions, and I'm going to end it with a poem that my dad sent to me actually. Um. Because I actually went through the process with my dad yesterday, and so it's the first process I've ever been to with him. Oh. Ever. Yeah. And it was really nice. Actually. Do you know what's really interesting? You just reminded me. The first ever process I went to was a pro-Palestine person. I think I was four or five. Oh and I remember God. my parents. I went younger with my mum as yeah, well. Yeah, and I remember ho- like we were holding, we were like like free for past like. So this has been going on for so long, but it's it's very nice when there's family involved as oh, well yeah, yeah, because yeah. it makes it like yeah. a thing. Guys, doesn't this like show you how intergenerational this struggle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God, passed yeah. down. Been going on for that our parents fought for this and yep. now but we're I was, like. Yeah, I was on the verge of tears because my dad wasn't even gonna come, and it, no, he was gonna come. He he was he said that he might have work. Mm. So he said, yeah, I'll call you around 10 o'clock. And then um, if I don't have work, we can go for breakfast or whatever. Got to about 11.30. I hadn't heard from him. So I thought, oh, maybe he's just had work. So I'm literally getting ready to leave. And he calls me, ah, Bunto. Bunto means um, water. <laughs> ah, I'm downstairs. I'm downstairs. Yeah, are you ready? Are you ready? I said, oh, you coming? He goes, yeah, of course I'm coming. Of course. I just didn't want to disturb you. You know, I thought maybe you have a lion, everything. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm coming oh. down. And then we went and I, there was a big group of about 12 of us and mm. there were so many people that I knew. Like um, I saw Mohammed and Suli, shout out Mohammed and Suli from sixth form. And I was like, this is my dad. And it's so funny, you know when guys meet your dad, yeah? They just go awkward. They completely change. They like hug you and then they're like, they see that, oh, I said it my little <laughs> <laughs> So it was really, really good. I saw my auntie, I saw some of my cousins. So, so it was, um, it was, it, it was amazing because my dad messaged me afterwards and he was like, the people that you have around you are incredible because if they're out for the same cause and you didn't even know that they were out and you saw them, those are the people that you need to have in your life. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was really, really, just really good to have him with yeah. me. Anyway, so he sent me a poem that I'm going to read at the Amazing. end of the episode. So, have you both heard of the Geneva Convention or the Hague Convention? So, I've had like stuff about it i don't know much about it at all so i'm, ha- I'm happy that you're Same. gonna Salma? expand Pleasure. on it okay, yeah. Fine, yeah cool. and we've got xena as well you, no, here. Zina. i'm gonna be like xena <laughs> <Zina's all right. laughs> i'm like dusting off all my you know it's uh, okay it's okay law knowledge <laughs> to try and remember as much as i can um about. i just yeah i just want to kind of briefly touch on it so no pressure xena at all so the geneva convention was established in 1864 and they are the rules that apply only in times of armed conflict and they seek to protect people who are not or are no longer taking part in hostilities. These include the sick, the wounded of the armed forces on the field, um, shipwrecked members uh, and armed forces at sea, prisoners of war and most importantly, civilians. So the first convention dealt with the treatment of the wounded and the sick t- and the sick armed forces in the field, and then the second, and then the third, and the fourth, based on if you were in sea, um, if you're prisoners of war, and then the last was civilians. So just to protect them during wartime. Mm-hmm. So that was the Geneva Convention. That's still in place today. That's still in place today. 
You then have the Hague Convention. So you have the Hague Conventions of 1899 and 1907. So these are these are laws that have been in place, yeah? Just so that we get that clear. Mm. This has been there. It hasn't changed. The conventions are there. So the Hague Conventions is used in conjunction with the Geneva Convention. Um, and it's the it's among the first formal statements of the laws of war and war crimes under international law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the reason as to why I mention this is because people, you know, we often hear oh, they're in war. There's the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and which is why this this conversation is important to have, especially with the definitions that I go in later, because actually it's not a war. War crimes have been committed and there are serious and obvious obvious violations of the Geneva Convention and the Hague Convention. Mm -hmm. But if you have listened to our previous episode, so The Bright Side of History, um, which was released last week, we've spoken about the UN, we've spoken about the Security Council, and we know why these violations haven't been brought to light. And we know why the State of Israel hasn't been accused of violating international law mm. and committing all of these war crimes. Mm. So... Did you guys know that in order for there to be war, there has to be five rules? No. No. I no. don't know. So I didn't know until I researched either. I had I just thought people just go to war and that's about it. I didn't know there was actually a Same. rules and regulation system. I just thought, cool, in this day and age, if Trump wants to press a red button, yep, he it's can on do site. it. But it's it's on site. Be, yeah. <laughs> there's actually rules to it, guys. There's rules to doing a law. You can't a law there's rules to having a war. You cannot just have it. So the five um rules for it are Military, distinction, proportionality, humanity, and honor. I'm not going to go into all of them, but the two ones that really, really stuck out to me, well, kind of three. The first one is military. Mm -hmm. Military is necessity is a necessity and is governed by several constraints. Yeah. So you both have to have a military. You both military. have to have And Palestine doesn't have it. Palestine yeah. doesn't have that. Thank you. Um, and then humanity. This principle is based on the Hague Conventions restricts and includes restrictions against using arms, projectiles or materials calculated to cause suffering or injury manifestly disproportionate mm. to the military advantage. Yeah. And I'm trying to make this as simplified as I can. But let me just repeat that again. Humanity. This principle is based on the Hague Convention regarding restrictions against using arms, projectiles, or materials calculated to cause suffering or injury, yeah, which is disproportionate to the military advantage, mm -hmm. yeah? So let me just give you some, little bit of some facts and figures uh, about Palestine and then the state of Israel. So Palestine has no army, Palestine has no navy, Palestine has no air force, Palestine has no military budget, budget. Palestine's GDP per capita is eight hundred and seventy-six dollars. Palestine's population, Palestine's population median age is um, seventeen point four, which is forty-three percent of the population. So minors, yeah, almost half of Palestine's population is minors. Because no one survives until no one all, survives. Yeah. The water supply, flee. the water supply is entirely controlled by the state of Israel. The energy supply is entirely controlled by the state of Israel. The entire population is stateless, so no resident is able to leave. And if they leave, they cannot come back. Mm. And it's, Palestine also has the world's densest population labelled unlivable place by the UN. Yeah? 
Yeah. Hold on. Hold that thought. So all of those things that I've listed, yeah? Let me go into Israel. Israel ground forces, 513,000 personnel. Yeah? Mm -hmm. 513,000 personnel. That's in the army. In the Navy, 20,000 people in the Navy. 64 battleships, which includes five class missile corvettes. Israel Air Force, 89,000 personnel, 684 aircrafts, um, military, weapons of mass destruction, including between 80 to 400 nuclear warheads, mm -hmm. military budget, $20.5 billion per year, plus an additional $146 billion of US military aid to Israel to date from 1948. GDP per, per capita, 42,823. And let me just remind you of the GDP per capita for the Palestinian, 876. Almost a $42,000 discrepancy between the Palestinians and the Israelis. When we're talking about citizenship, Israeli citizens are invited to visa-free or visa on arrival access to 161 countries and territories. So guess what? If you were not born in the states of Israel, yep. you can go back whenever you want. You can go and get a passport whenever you want. You can leave and enter freely whenever you want. But if you are a Palestinian who wasn't born in Palestine, but you decide to you leave, can't go back. you can't go back. Can I uh, quickly say something? There's this uh, poster of like um, these two women who have been like friends one is jewish and right. one is palestinian yeah. right and they've shown it from throughout the year so i think the first one was in like 1960 um, something and then the other one was in the 80s and then the last one was in 2011 and it's the same statement each time and the palestinian uh, woman is saying i left my country i fleed palestine and i ha i'm not allowed to go back and the um, jewish woman has uh, got her statement I am an American Jew mm -hmm. and I am allowed to live in, in Israel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy. It's just, it's just mad. And to add on quickly to this point, in regards to the military, because you know when, what, you know when you're hearing conflict and war and you know there's two, there's not two sides. This is complete, this is like obliteration. Hamas is done by like five people and they use rocks and sticks no, yeah, and to make handmade rockets. No, no, not, no, even, no, not even that. Like, okay, they, some, they send like rockets. Yeah, but do you, do. listen, have you seen the defense? Have mm. you seen? Do you have you seen what happens? These rockets are in the air. They don't even have the chance to start aiming for it because they're in this iron dome that is funded by all that money, and not a single one can even approach the vicinity exactly. of of Israel at all. They're obliterated. Yeah. And on top of that, with I believe it's called the IDF, which is Israeli Defense yeah, Force, yeah. they have to go into that army, right? And they yeah. have to do a minimum of two years, or they go to prison, right? Mm -hmm. Which means like every single Israeli citizen yeah. goes into that military and is brainwashed most likely and is made into this like, you know, um, Israel over Palestinians, Palestinian lives don't matter. So you have to understand the complete, how do you explain this? Brainwashing of yeah, everyone. And uh, we shared this on the Instagram page. Um, if you want to know more about this yep. and how you do get brainwashed yep. when you join the army, I really suggest you read Mornings in Janine. And it shows that these two boys are both Palestinian. They get separated. One of the boys gets kidnapped into an Israeli family. And he get, grows up not knowing he's a Palestinian boy. And you see the brainwashing. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. It's really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. And Can so I just weigh in on this? 
yeah please book of all time and i just want to say that like the way that that book is written is so beautiful and and perfect because of the fact that it doesn't erase the humanity of israeli citizens yeah Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't no and we shouldn't because yeah children do get killed from it i mean at the end of the day this is a war that's been going on for how long and hamas zina always says this one group's terrorist group is another one's freedom fighters Mm -hmm. so you're gonna there's you know there's going to be different views of, uh, on it and you know israeli children do die and all of the, but listen every uh, war every uh, country yeah. and but, that's but the propaganda horrible. is yeah. rife the propaganda exactly. is so real of course it's sad of course they're innocent and listen they're, they're I, I would never want any israeli to die yeah ever i want none no of this to happen i don't want none of it i don't want no, no one to die yeah. no one should and of be. course you have you know israelis who are human of course you do of course but what i'm asking for is accountability yeah. Uh, what I'm asking for is saying, you know what? We're a settler colonial state, you yeah. know? Right. Just that's be aware. It. Just yeah. be aware. So that's it. You're not going to leave your country. Don't I don't leave your country. But be aware. Like, no. And the thing look, is, the thing, the people, sorry, to, I'm yeah, so sorry no, to tell okay. you. The people who are in Israel now, the state of Israel, who are Israeli, yeah? You can live in Palestine. Yeah. You lived in Palestine. You are in Jews Palestine. You lived in Palestine. There are Palestinian Jews. Yeah. You could this. You can yeah. live there. The Palestinians were taken as refuge. Yes, mm. and you know what this reminds me of? There is a wonderful debate called Intelligence Squared with Mehdi Hassan, who is in charge of Huffington Post, and um, they were mentioning how basically think of Israel as this. So we're Londoners. If we were in our London homes, and someone came in the middle of the night and was like, "I lived here two thousand years ago," yeah. get up because yeah, this yeah, is my house, is. right? Yeah. And you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've lived here all my life. My family's lived here all my life, all their lives. What are you talking about? We pay taxes, this is our land. And they and imagine everyone that you know and the entire country experiencing the same thing. And then other people are like, no, they have a right to settle here. On what grounds, basically? Like, yeah. And you're getting killed. And you're getting killed and children are getting killed. There are, like you said, war crimes have been violated. This is not humane. This is not a war. This is a human cause. This is colonialism, and this is a humanitarian issue. Mm. And just um, just to just finish off um, my facts from earlier between Palestine and the state of Israel. Remember how I said that almost half of the Palestinian population was the median age was seventeen point four. The median age for sixty two percent of the population is thirty. The they have amazing universal health care in the state of uh, Israel. It's ranked third best in the world. It's actually the world's leader in the COVID vaccination coverage. And I don't know if you guys have seen on the green list of where we can travel. Guess where we can go? Israel. It's also got autonomous weapon systems stationed around the Gaza Strip, prohibiting Gaza residents from leaving. Um, Zina, I just kind of wanted to go back to you, if that's okay, on the um hay convention and geneva convention and just just a brief about you know people might not know what a convention is why it's important why it's significant and what kind of leg we have to stand on when we are using the conventions as a point of reference when it comes to israel and palestine yeah so just to really really simplify and take take things sort of to to a very basic level so that everybody is on board um basically there are are rules obviously that countries agree to follow when there's 
when they're forced to deal with each other, um, you know, in diplomacy and whatnot, and mm. they're called international laws. So we have laws for every country, and then we have international laws that everybody has to abide by. And one branch of international law is the law of war, which, Iman, you, you talked about more in detail. The Geneva Conventions are basically a set of rules that tell countries that are at war with each other how to treat people who are wounded and captured from their enemies. So it's basically recognizing that our enemies are human beings as well, and they have rights when we capture them, when they're wounded. And these, this set of um, international laws, this convention, a convention, by the way, is just an agreement, that's all it means, mm. was signed in the city of Geneva in Switzerland. And a lot of countries, a huge list of countries um, signed this, representatives from a lot of countries signed this convention and agreed to be bound by it. Um, and this happened in two different points in time. So it happened in 1864. It happened again in 1949. And keep 1949 in mind because that's a really important year when, when it comes to talking about Palestine. So when wars happen, obviously there's a breakdown of law and order. There's, you know, anarchy. And it's, it might seem a bit weird to, to, you know, have laws and rules for treating people um uh, in a humanitarian way when our purpose the war's purpose is to kill them or to kill each other but um but it basically is a way for humans to be to be better humans to just be mm. um you know to try to to try to keep wars um from causing maximum damage um so sometimes these rules are ignored because of the basic fact that wars are there to, to destroy each other, unfortunately. Um, but the Geneva Conventions have been successful in a lot of situations in protecting um, prisoners of war and people who are sick and wounded during war times. Mm. I don't know how much detail you want me to go into about each of these, um, the Geneva Conventions history. Oh no, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell it like a bit of a story. So, in 1859, very long time ago, a, uh, there was a Swiss man called Henry Dunant, and he organized emergency medical aid uh, during a war that included Austrians and French soldiers. Um, and uh, it was the Italian War for Independence, and he was basically running what we now know as the Red Cross. Okay, so he saw a lot of people suffering during this battle. It moved him, and he wanted he wanted change for the way that we treat the wounded so he was basically saying that war is you know between two parties disagreeing and there are people who are wounded they they need to be separate from the the reasons behind war they need to be treated separately and so in 1864 he founded the red cross and and now it's called there's also a branch called the red crescent which is more popular in uh, muslim majority countries and then in 1864 he also led talks between lots of representatives from many different countries um and uh he got these countries to agree to sign this convention to not attack medical units treating sick and wounded um soldiers and civilians the rules of war obviously already um already dictate that you shouldn't be attacking civilian areas or heavily populated civilian areas but obviously the civilians become collateral damage in war unfortunately and so the convention was to protect anybody who's been hurt or wounded um you know during a conflict and um 
later on in 1907, there was a second Geneva Convention, as well as two Hague Conventions, and they extended the rules of the first agreement, yeah? And it included naval battles on the seas. So it it extended these rights to not attack, um, you know, first aid, not attack uh, wounded people, rights for sick and wounded during war, to not just on the ground, but also at sea. And then there was a third Geneva Convention in 1929 that focused on protecting prisoners of war. I won't go too much into them, uh, but basically France, Germany, Britain and the US all agreed to these um, to these rules, to these conventions. So these laws were sometimes, these rules were sometimes violated during World War II. And so as a result, in 1948, when World War II was wrapping up, um, all the countries came together again, this time in Stockholm, and they said, right, we need to sort of reaffirm these values. We need to extend the rules within this convention so that we protect as many people as possible. So an atrocity like World War II never happens again. Um, And so in 1949, they met again. They had another, um, there was another Geneva, uh, another convention where they all agreed to these values. So these three first parts basically restated and strengthened the agreements that had already been made, in, uh, that had already been put in place by Henry Breton. And then the fourth convention, which came about in 1949, was as a result of the Holocaust. We came together as, you know, um, as a collective um, of countries that wanted to uphold human rights and wanted to make sure that genocide and the Holocaust never happen again and reaffirm those those values and kind of pledge allegiance essentially to those to those humanitarian values um, and you know after after the Holocaust these countries came back together again and basically um, basically agreed that individuals and groups under this new convention uh, they can't be expelled from their own country, they can't be taken hostage, they can't be tortured, discriminated against based on religion or race or nationality or political beliefs. Mm. And more than 160 nations signed the 1949 convention. And interestingly, the 1949 Geneva Convention is the reason that people can seek asylum in different countries. Mm. Um, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, so a lot of the cases that I work on with refugees is based on the 1949 convention. So following the the wars in Korea and Vietnam, um, there was a new type of warfare that threatened the Geneva Conventions, and there were rebels, freedom fighters that used tactics in sort of small-scale, limited battles. Um, And, you know, it was mostly done to achieve political, political goals, such as independence in a lot of countries that you know, were fighting for independence at the time. And so in 1977, the Geneva and Hague Conventions were changed again to extend protection to types of fighters who are fighting for independence, who were not traditionally covered by the national agreement. Now, as I said, keep 1949 in mind because that's an important year, because 1948 was the year of the first Nakba. Nakba in Arabic means the catastrophe. And it's, it, it's the title that's been given to the to the first event of ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from Palestine. Mm. So once 
we know that Palestine was kind of under the under British uh, under the British mandate and was gifted essentially to Zionists who who um, decided to establish a Jewish state in Palestine for the Jewish people that had been um, that had been exiled from their countries due to the Holocaust. Um, and so, on the one hand, we have 1948-49 countries coming together, recognizing that the atrocities of the Holocaust should never happen again, signing the the Geneva Convention of 1949. On the other hand, we have an event very similar to the Holocaust, the Nakba, happening in Palestine, and the irony is almost mm, uh, unbearable. Almost that's so that's just a small background to the Geneva and Hague Conventions, and you can kind of see how those conventions have evolved mm. and how they're supposed to be there to protect people from the beginning, people who are wounded in war, including military people, um, then hospitals, then to recognize that actually, um, you know, we have to treat prisoners humanely and then to recognize that we can't discriminate against people, we can't, uh, based on religion, race, nationality, political beliefs. Um, and now some people are fighting for that to be extended to include um, sexual ori- orientation as well. We can't take people um, hostage, we can't exile them yeah. from their own countries, mm-hmm. we can't torture them. And also we have to, the, 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 the latest version of these conventions are supposed to extend protection to even rebels and freedom fighters who are fighting for independence in their countries. And they should have a right under these conventions to fight for their for their um for their self-determination yeah, and i'll leave that with you guys <laughs> you can kind of reflect on that and see very clearly how this um relates to palestine and the pal- palestinian struggle for freedom mm-hmm. it's crazy because you know thank you so much for going into all of that yeah. because actually when you think about it there's so much to protect them that should be protecting mm. everyone yeah there's so much in place there's no reason for any of this there's no reason for any of this it's true but you know what's also interesting i when i was doing research on uh this topic i found that a lot of people previously believed that a lot of you know for example all these war crimes that have been committed they thought that it was all like lies they were like oh you're just saying that just because you don't want this state to exist and whatnot or because they weren't seeing these videos they assumed that everyone was just lying Mm. but now thanks to social media and you know palestine being able and palestinians being able to give us the footage you can see with your own eyes mm. all of these atrocities whereas before you could easily just be like it's far away it's we you know we're just saying that because you don't want this and so and so yeah but now there's nothing to shy away from it you Absolutely. have to accept it especially as well the israelis who live in is live in the state of israel and you know, I've ha- I've seen so much online. Like mm. I live in Israel, I can tell you this doesn't happen in Israel. Yep, you can. You're tell living me in a bubble because you live in a, a really privileged, nice yeah. part. You don't even know Palestine. what's happening down the road. You don't even know what's happening. Yeah, because you're privileged enough to yeah. live in, uh, uh, you know, vicinity of the state of Israel, where there's bars and there's clubs and there's hotels and there's yeah. shops and there's this and and you just it's completely oblivious to it mm-hmm. and it's got nothing to do with anything just besides that you're being ignorant and yeah. i know i know somebody who um unfollowed me on instagram and fine whatever we me and her actually really really got along jewish lovely girl born and raised in the uk such a nice girl really got along with her always checked up on her 
a couple years ago, she moved to Israel. Mm-hmm. Apartment, nice job, friends, family. <laughs> I live in the Middle East. I can, and I was just like, you, 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 you can go there. You get a passport, but I have friends who are Palestinian, whose who parents have been family. exiled and can't go back. Who can't go back to their grandparents? But you, but you yeah. can go, and you've never been there. And you, you could just there. live there. Yeah. And you could just live there. Yeah. 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 It's I saw this um influencer who she's Jewish and uh she she loves Israel, um, thinks it's great. And she was saying how like this is the only peaceful country in the Middle East. Israel's the only I'm like, babes, where's the peace? <laughs> literally. Where yeah. is the peace? Lies, like really. you have literally been fed lies. It yeah. really like it's crazy. Like they even like a lot of Jewish people in the US, I think in the UK as well, they have the opportunity to go on birthright. Yeah. And so in it's America. for free. They get a free trip when you're young. Yeah. Every single person is entitled to it who's yeah. Jewish. And they get to go to Israel and they get to see like their roots and they get to see this like really amazing experience through rose through rose glasses and it's like this like your history is shown in this incredible way and meanwhile everything else is going on in Palestine they just kind of yeah Yeah. we we don't look at this and there's groups in Palestine sorry there are groups that uh, who have gone on the birthright trips and know um know what they show and have gone and like uh, learnt about Palestine and all the atrocities that go on there and now counteract those trips so they'll go and they'll actually disturb their tri- those trips and they'll be like do you want to see the real side of Israel do you want to see the real side of Palestine and actually wow. reroute I have them? so much respect for those people and it's incredible so and that's accountability that's, that is accountability that's accountability and yeah. I respect that so much um, so I am going to go through some um, definitions that I thought were quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And some of them are quite basic and you might think that you know what it means, but there is a method to the definitions. So the definitions I literally got from Oxford Dictionary. You can find them online. You can type whatever I say, you can type in. I've literally copied it word for word. Yeah. And I just want to put that out there. I can put the references to it as well. Um, I just found it really, um, yeah, when I was putting in the definitions, I thought, yeah, I'll put this definition, this definition. And then as I started to add definitions and I started to see the pattern for certain things, I was like, okay, wow. Bear in mind, Oxford, the Oxford Dictionary is, you know, one of the most highly regarded dictionaries in the whole world. Mm. I use it. I have it at home. I've used it all my life. I'm sure we all use it. And, and needless to say, you know, there are some definitions that aren't on the Oxford Dictionary that are obviously online and in other outlets, but I just wanted to make it into like one source that we could get it from. And this source is a credible source. This source is a source that's used on a daily basis in Wikipedia and everything else. So I just wanted to make sure that it was just from one place, just for the purposes of, of the point that I'm trying to make. So, war crime. Do you guys know the exact... Shall I, shall I ask you guys what you think the definition is or shall I just go into the definition? Just go. Just go into the definition. Okay. <laughs> Me and were like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. War crime. A cruel act that is committed during a war and is against the international rules of war. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and as we've discussed mm-hmm. earlier, yeah. we discussed the international rules of war. There's clear violations and there's clear war crimes that are committed here, but aren't called war crimes, by the way. No. Genocide, the murder of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. 
ethnic cleansing, the policy of forcing the people of a particular race or religion to leave an area or a country. Now, those two terms, ethnic cleansing and genocide, we need to start calling out what's happening, what it is. As it is, yeah. yeah. So according to the definition, what I can see is ethnic cleansing and a genocide happening. Mm -hmm. So let's stop saying, oh, it's a Palestinian-Israeli conflict. It's a genocide Mm -hmm. and it's ethnic cleansing that's Mm -hmm. happening. So let's start using better terminology to start actually raising proper awareness and and say it with your chest. Yeah, and this is what I say to to any person who's listening to this and who wants to educate and you know go in, delve deep into it. This is certainly a starting point. Don't take my word for Bible or Sabbaths or Salmas or Zenas, but use it as an opportunity to research more and just see for yourself. <clears throat> Reductive, something that tries to explain something complicated by considering it as a combination of simple parts. Um, and the reason why I bring that up is because I think that the media are being deliberately and offensively reductive. Yeah, even with the protests yesterday, did you see what they posted as the report? No. They no. didn't say that you guys were protesting for Palestine. They said you were protesting against Gaza violence. Yeah, you're yeah. being deliberately you're, this is, you're being deliberately offensive. This, this is point. why it's so important to hear these like keywords and the definitions for them. Because when you're reading articles online you can see the bias and you Mm. can see the terminology that's used to manipulate Mm -hmm. essentially your views so i think that's why some people might be thinking oh this is so simple but it's really important to understand the language better Mm -hmm. and it's also important as well that if you're having dialogue with somebody who has an opposing view you know the correct terminology and you can say your point you know correctly in 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 the right way and Mm -hmm. back yourself up absolutely Mm -hmm. indigenous a group belonging to a particular place rather than coming to it from somewhere else. Apartheid, the former political system in South Africa in which only white people had full political rights and other people, especially black people, were forced to live away from white people, go to separate schools, ETC. This is also an apartheid, by yeah. the way, just yeah. to let people yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what I was reading out earlier, that they don't have control of a water supply electricity supply mm. they don't have an they don't have an airport i was just saying that it's really interesting to define it as apartheid because people because the term apartheid it sh- should be mentioned did come from um the south african apartheid that term yeah. was coined then by through that struggle um but it, it's not limited to the south african apartheid it was obviously also used to to define the um the apartheid that happened in the u.s where you know it, um where there was a separation between black people and, and non-black people during segregation um, the seg- yeah segregation i mean essentially it, it can be considered apartheid as well um and just to just to say it is considered a crime against humanity under international law so apartheid is considered a crime against humanity under international law and just this year this is uh, this is why i think there's been so much momentum around this movement this year just this year in 2021 the human rights watch uh, found israel to be guilty of apartheid based on the 1973 apartheid oh, convention really? and the 1998 rome statute of the international criminal court uh which says for people who are interested 
that which basically says that there's three elements that have to occur for apartheid to apply and one of them is um intent you know from one group to dominate another group which is you know at the moment happening in palestine where the israeli occupation is trying to dominate the palestinian indigenous people the second thing is that there has to be systemic systematic oppression uh, by one racial group over another which is exactly what's happening and the third one is that there has to be one or more inhumane acts and this includes things like denying people the right to leave and return to their country mm. which we know palestinians have no right to return and that's why a lot of palestinians hold on to the house keys of their grandparents as a symbol in their homes because um they they believe in that someday they will be able to return to their homes oh, um and you know other examples of things like forcefully taking land or property which is also known as um uh what's the word dispossession dispossession is mm-hmm. that right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. forcefully taking um taking land and property from people which is what's happening right now in sheikh jarrah and another example which relates to palestine is creating of separate reserves and ghettos which is what happened in apartheid south africa um there's there were certain areas that was for black people certain areas for white people and certain areas for people who are biracial or other um and if you read Trevor Noah's autobiography he kind of sets out how how he was living um in South Africa as a biracial kid um under apartheid and those same rules apply right now in Palestine it's crazy um, we learn nothing from history nothing exactly yeah. and you know for people who say why didn't people speak out or why did people stand why were there people standing on the wrong side when apartheid was happening, was happening in right South now. Africa but then they're silent on Palestine so if you're someone who is asking themselves why did people not stand up you know during the South African apartheid why did more people not speak up or even why did people not stand up to to settlers when they ethnically cleansed native americans from from america but you're silent about palestine now know that you are those people you yeah. are those people who are silent during yeah. an ethnic cleansing during an apartheid yeah. because this is history repeating itself and yeah. if we're standing on the sidelines and we're ignoring it we're literally part of that historical narrative because we are close we are close to ending this apartheid and people who have been previously skeptical about this including myself at times I've been skeptical about whether we'll ever see Palestine free from uh, from occupation we have regained confidence that this is likely to happen israel is scared they've lost control of the narrative mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the momentum behind the palestinian people is growing and will only grow if people who are silent now are are brave enough to stand up and and stand on the right side of history mm-hmm. because when the day comes and palestine is liberated from occupation you're going to you're going to look like an idiot if you are on the other side thank you you're going to look like an and i want to show my kids that I was there. I was there with their granddad. I was there with their grandma. I was there with their aunties, with everyone, you know, on the right side of history, protesting and making our voice heard and doing everything that we could to help liberate the Palestinians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will be so proud. And you won't have that. Yeah. If you don't do that, you won't have that. And that's, that's more embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go... And the people in power in this country right now, a lot of them from the Conservative Party stood against apartheid in South Africa. But eventually they had to bite their tongue and stand on the right side because the world forced them to. Yeah. Exactly. And then they liberated, they liberated um, 
our contacts South Africa without social media, without the exactly. connection that we have today. Mm. And today we have much more powerful tools. Yeah. Exactly. We can do this a lot quicker. If 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 teenagers can cancel a whole celebrity on TikTok overnight, you think we can't overthrow? It's true. It's true. Mm. It's true. It's true. Okay. So I'm gonna just um run through the rest of the definitions and this is where it gets interesting this is where it gets really really interesting so racism the unfair treatment of people who belong to a different race or violent behavior towards them colonialism the practice by which a powerful country controls another country or other countries settler a person who goes to live in a new country or region illegal settler no definition Anti-Semitism, hate that is felt toward Jewish people or unfair treatment of Jews. Islamophobia, no definition found. Zionism, a political movement that was originally begun in order to establish an independent state for Jewish people and now supports the development of the state of Israel. Anti-Zionism, no definition found. Israelite, a member of the ancient Hebrew nation described in the Bible. Israeli, a person from Israel. Note, Israelite is a member of the ancient Hebrew nation. Not a country, ancient Hebrew nation, yeah? Israeli is a person from Israel. So when you hear Israelite in all of the Abrahamic religions, we are not talking about the country of Israel. And I know that might sound silly, but people have asked me. Yeah. <laughs> Palestinian, no definition found. Israel, a country in the Middle East. Palestine, no definition found. Oh my God, that is shocking. That is disgusting. Conflicts, people, groups, or countries that disagree strongly or are involved in a serious argument. So this isn't a conflict, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because Israel is a country in the Middle East, but Palestine is not, because there is no definition. And a conflict are groups or countries that disagree strongly, okay? <laughs> They're both not countries, by definition of the Oxford Dictionary. War, situation in which two or more countries or groups of people fight against each other over a period of time. Now, I just quickly want to touch up on why I chose to put in anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Um, though this is not a religious debate, there was a video that went around that was released on Vice. And it was um, the Haredi Jews. There's a group of them in London and they often go to Palestinian protests mm. um, and support the freedom and liberation of Palestine. Now, this was about a week ago. There was a group of pro-Israelis and then um, the ultra-Orthodox Jews came in with Palestinian flags and were very pro-Palestine. Now, when you look at the uh, Jewish people who were pro-Israeli, you wouldn't think... Uh, there's, there's nothing to suggest um, from their appearance that you would think that they were Jewish. They just looked like English, white, white English people. So mm. but you just wouldn't tell. Whereas when you looked at the ultra-Orthodox... Uh, Jewish people, you could tell that they were Jewish in the same way with Muslim women when you when they wear the hijab, mm -hmm. you can they're, they're they visibly, represent their religion. They're visibly Muslim. Yeah. So 
the pro-Israeli um, people that were standing on the opposite side of the road were screaming, you're a traitor, you're extremist. And the reason why I bring up Islamophobia and why it's so telling that Islamophobia wasn't even in the Oxford Dictionary is that they were saying to, um, they were screaming at the, at the ultra-Orthodox Jews saying they might as well be a part of ISIS, they might as well strap bombs to themselves and bomb themselves up. That is how much Islamophobia is rife within people that are very, very right-wing and very pro-Israel in, in, in the making. Mm-hmm. And this is That's why I bring comparison, it up. That is the comparison. It's not about religion, but those who are very right-wing right wing and who are very pro-israeli are literally comparing ultra-orthodox jewish people who are peacefully peacefully yeah practicing their religion to isis fighters who bomb themselves up Mm -hmm. do you know how racist that is do you know how islamophobic that is yeah and i can't even call it islamophobia because it's not even in the oxford dictionary I can call it Islamophobia because we know what that means. Yes, but it's it's a widely used term now. But it's not set in law. Anti-Semitism is, though. Mm-hmm. But I can't go to the police now and say, hi, that person's been Islamophobic against me. Mm. It's not in law. Mm. Theresa May voted against it. Theresa May voted against for Islamophobia That's, to be put into that law is a couple of years ago. Mm. But anti-Semitism is. So if a Jewish person complains about a member of public who's been anti-Semitic, as they rightly should, by the way, I do not stand for Mm anti-Semitism at all. I support Jewish people and uh, the the ability for Jewish people to practice their religion in whatever way they please, peacefully, wherever they are in the world. Yeah, In Morocco, we've got Jewish people. In Iraq, you've got Jewish people. In Palestine, you've got Jewish people. They absolutely have the right to practice their religion however they please. And not get discriminated. I I am absolutely for... Jewish people, if they feel as though somebody's being anti-Semitic, that that person gets, you know, get, gets a criminal record against them, goes to jail because of it, mm. whatever it might be, absolutely support that. But why is Islamophobia not there too? Yeah, it would be nice to have the similar... It would be really nice to have that too. Because yeah. you know what? I've got cousins who wear yeah. hijab. I've got a younger sister who wears hijab who gets abuse on a daily basis. Yeah. Physical and verbal. Almost all Muslims are against ISIS and we get thrown with this thing all the time. I always and, have to defend And it. they kill more Muslims than anyone else. Yeah, and I can imagine there are loads of Jewish people out there who yeah. feel the same way about Zionism. So Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to finish it off with um, the poem, if that's okay. It's, it's not that long, but it's a little bit long. Um, so it's called I Am Israel. And I don't know who the source is. The source uh, at the bottom of the poem, it says source unknown. So I think that someone is deliberately not wanting to show their identity. But if that's incorrect and you have written this poem, please don't sue me with copyright. It was sent <laughs> to me through WhatsApp. <laughs> Um, but please reach yeah, if you out. Know who wrote reach them, out and please I'd love to credit them. Yeah, please credit would them. really love to credit you. Um, and I haven't read this out to uh, either Sabah, Sama, or, or Zina. So yeah, I hope you'll find it as touching and as emotive as I did. I am Israel. I came to a land without a people for a people without a land. Those people who happened to be here had no right to be here, and my people showed them that they had to leave or die raising 400 Palestinian villages to the ground, erasing their history. I am Israel. Some of my people committed massacres and later became prime ministers to represent me. In 1948, Menashim Begin was in charge of the unit that slaughtered the inhabitants of Dir Yassin, including 100 women and children. In 1953, Ariel Sharon led the slaughter of the inhabitants of Kibya 
and in 1982 arranged for our allies to butcher around 2,000 in the refugee camps of Sabra and Shatila. I am Israel, carved in 1948 out of 78% of the land of Palestine, dispossessing its inhabitants and replacing them with Jews from Europe and other parts of the world. While the natives whose families lived on this land for thousands of years are not allowed to return, Jewish people from all over the world are welcome to instant citizenship. I am Israel. In 1967, I swallowed the remaining lands of Palestine, East Jerusalem, the West Bank and Gaza, and placed their inhabitants under an oppressive military rule, controlling and humiliating every aspect of their daily lives. Eventually, if they should get the message that they are not welcome to stay and join the millions of Palestinian refugees in the shanty camps of Lebanon and Jordan. Mm. I am Israel. I have the power to control American policy. My American Israel Public Affairs Committee can make or break any politician of its choosing. And as you see, they are all complete to please me. All the forces of the world are powerless against me, including the UN, as I have the American veto to block any condemnation of my war crimes. As Sharon so eloquently phrased it, we control America. I am Israel. I influence American mainstream media too, and you will always find the news tailored. I've invested millions of dollars into PR representation, and CNN, New York Times, and others have been doing an excellent job in promoting this propaganda. You can look at all the other international resources and you will see the difference. I am Israel. You Palestinians want to negotiate peace, but you're not as smart. I will negotiate, but will only have your municipalities while I control your borders, your water, your airspace, and anything else of importance. While we negotiate, I will swallow your hilltops and fill them with settlements populated by the most extremists of my extremists, of my extremists armed to the teeth. These settlements will be, connected with, will be connected with roads you cannot see and you will be imprisoned in your houses between them, surrounded by checkpoints in every direction. I am Israel. I have the fourth strongest army in the world, possessing nuclear weapons. How dare your children confront my oppression with stones? Don't you know my soldiers won't hesitate? In 17 months, I have killed 900 of you and injured 17,000, mostly civilians, and have the mandate to continue since the international community remains silent. Ignore, as I do, the hundreds of Israeli reserve officers who are now refusing to carry out my control over your lands and people. Their voices of conscience will not protect you. I am Israel. You want freedom? I have bullets, tanks, missiles to obliterate you. I have placed your towns under siege, confiscated your lands, uprooted your trees, demolished your homes, and you still demand freedom? You will never have peace or freedom because I am Israel. Wow. Um, that is so, so emotional yeah. though. So whoever you are, literally, just thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. And thank you for reading that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think what, what I mean, a lot of it stood out to me, but I think that that poem um, had a lot of facts in there and had a lot of percentages and everything, but was just really emotive and really kind of like... Puts it in perspective. Hard hitting. Mm. But, but do you know what was really, um, what, what struck out to me, kind of what Zina was saying earlier about the book Mornings in Janine and just about the um, Israeli conscience and just making them human, 
And actually, when we talk about the, when this person spoke about the Israeli reserve officers who are now refusing to carry out my control over your lands, their voices of conscience will not protect you. Mm. And when I read that earlier, I was just in tears. Oh yeah. my God, I'm going to cry now because actually, I just, it's... I think, like, yeah. in relation to that as well, if you listen to what people are chanting in Palestine, the um, the settlers are chanting death to Arabs, whereas the Palestinians are chanting free Palestine. Yeah, the difference. And that, that should really tell you where the mindset of people are. Palestinians aren't looking for the death and destruction of Jews just on the basis of, of their religious identity. There's no there's no you know, there's no intention for for them to, to kill anybody for, for the purpose of killing or to ethnically cleanse, whereas the intention on the other side is exactly that. Mm-hmm. They just wanna be free. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, so on that note, um really good episode um i hope you all have enjoyed it and learned because i definitely have and we're all still learning and we also want to learn and and if there's anything that isn't correct that we've said let us know we want to be held accountable Mm -hmm. we want to put our hands up we want to do this right we want to honor what we're speaking about in the right way um and we want to speak for what we think is right yeah absolutely. and to all of our london listeners there is another protest on saturday the 22nd of may i believe is the date yes so okay. it should be the day after we release this podcast so please uh, we will put some posts up of where to go but please do join in showing solidarity to free palestine and if you see us come say hi exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and needs a lot of numbers mm. first of all to not let the momentum die down after the amazing yeah. turnout that we saw um, yesterday but second of all because this protest is specifically to target Elvit which is the company that uh, that manufactures uh, and sends arms to Israel um, Elbit has di- lots of different sites across the UK the one in London is in Holborn and this is specifically to ask the people that are working in Elbit to stop working to stop building weapons and it's specifically asking Elbit to stop manufacturing weapons that are going to kill children and and innocent people in in Palestine. Mm-hmm. So that's why this this protest is direct action and this protest is ridiculously important. It's not just solidarity. This mm-hmm. is direct action. Yeah. If we've learned anything from the dock workers in Italy is that people can stop building weapons people can stop can walk out can mm-hmm. not work mm-hmm. and they can they they have the power to unionize and to stop sending arms to directly stop this from happening yeah mm-hmm. absolutely so that's why turn up for this saturday is important if you can't turn up because of the pandemic for, for other reasons then just amplify the voices of the people who are turning up share yeah. as much as you can on yeah. social media yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Zina, for coming you, Zina. on. Incredible, Thank you. incredible insight. You guys are doing something amazing. I'm just happy to be part of it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. But yeah, so just again, please like, comment, subscribe, share, 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 yep. share. Your sharing goes a really, really, really long way, and we really appreciate it. And we just, we're just doing this because we just want to do what's right. So yeah, please, exactly. please listen to what we're saying. And decide whether you want to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.